Alright, this is Britt from resistradio.com and this is a podcast for Friday the 18th of May. Just a quick look at some of today's headlines. Of course, Greece and uh, the Eurozone are very much in the news. Very interesting that even the mainstream now is openly discussing the collapse of the Euro and also discussing the effects that's going to have on Britain and the rest of the world. You know, you always can tell when something serious is going to happen when the mainstream media starts covering it. So here's a couple of articles today. The first is from The Independent. Eurozone crisis. Don't panic yet. (laughs) Our expert guide to the coming storm. And this uh, talk to various people about what the effect of the um, collapse of the euro, or rather just Greece leaving the eurozone could be. Um, I mean, some of the points are kind of just, you know, meaningless about how much this is going to affect my holiday or whatever, my holiday to Greece, you know. Should I take euros or should I wait and see if I should take drachma, kind of unimportant things like that, really, because this is, you know, much bigger than um, Brit's holidays being, being spoilt. This is about the collapse of an entire system, this system which is totally out of control, as I talked about in my last podcast, this unsustainable model of debt-fueled perpetual growth, which was obviously going to come to an end, and we can see it coming to an end now. You know, there's simply no way that money could simply be printed or created on a computer um, without any kind of backing and without any kind of limit to that creation of the money without this kind of thing happening. So yeah, some of the points in this article are not very significant. I mean, they do mention that a collapse would uh, lead to mortgage payment rises for Brits. I mean, again, that's kind of a small thing, really, when you look at the bigger picture. Um, but they do talk about the potential for British people losing their savings or assets and they give information about how much money is actually protected by the financial services compensation scheme I mean these these figures are kind of meaningless to me because I don't have very much money and I certainly don't have the £85,000 that apparently is protected I mean, you really have to ask, even if you had that money, would it really be protected? You know, the government apparently um, protects up to £85,000 in savings. Well, they say that now, but it's surely going to get to a point where these kinds of assurances are simply ignored and thrown out of the window. Um at the end of that paragraph it says if you have cash overseas in a European bank you should get the same protection however in the event of a Greek collapse its government may not be able to meet its commitments as with Iceland in 2008 then the government stepped in to help UK savers would it do so again? maybe not so talking there about you know, simply getting your money out of Greek banks but I'd be getting my money out of other banks as well, for example, Spanish banks, 
there was talk yesterday of um, a Spanish bank's share price dropping by 25% in the day at one point. This is Bankia, Spain's Bankia. And Santander have also had to issue reassurances that, um, dep- that deposits are safe, uh, which I, you know, really doubt. I mean, of course they're going to say that deposits are safe. You know, the people from the banks and the politicians are going to be trying to put as positive a spin on news as they possibly can. What we're hearing about in the mainstream is, you know, simply the tip of this iceberg. And yeah, they don't want to see runs on banks because then it'll be game over. They want to try and pretend that everything's, you know, everything's fine. Everything's just dandy. So yeah, if I had money in Spanish banks or Portuguese banks or um, Italian banks, I'd definitely be getting my money out of those. I mean, even if I had money in a British bank, you know, I wouldn't want to have that there really. I'd want to take that money and as we've talked about many times at resistradio.com, you know, invest that in things for the future, things that you can use to prepare for the future, you know, useful, useful things basically. Of course, as we as we also talked about, you can invest in, you know, precious metals. There's obviously some disagreement about the extent to which having gold and silver would be useful to you in you know a financial collapse situation but I still think it would be useful as a, a store of value and tradable as well <clears throat> yeah so also in this article um, refers to schools and hospitals possibly closing in Spain and Greece because they can't fund them anymore and it asks could this happen here um, <laughs> Even though we are in recession, the UK is in a much stronger fiscal position. The state's cost of long-term borrowing is at a record low. British sovereign debt is considered a safe asset by investors. There is therefore no reason why the coalition is going to need to implement the sort of brutal cuts to public services that are being outlined in Spain and Greece. Well, I mean, they're already implementing you know, a whole range of cuts in Britain. Um, just this week we've had more information about, for example, funding for special needs kids is being massively cut. There was a big um, outcry a couple of days ago about benefits for visually impaired and blind people being cut as well. So we've seen, you know, huge cuts across the board. Are those cuts going to slow down? I don't think so. They're going to increase, aren't they? I don't know why British sovereign debt is considered a safe asset by investors. In the last podcast, I talked about the fact that the level of British debt is probably at least five trillion pounds. And, you know, Britain simply doesn't have the manufacturing base anymore. Just like in the US, you know, the manufacturing jobs have gone overseas to to China, for example. So it's not like we really um, produce anything anymore. And, you know, what we do export, a lot of it goes to Europe, which is, you know, about to collapse. So those markets are going to be severely reduced as well. Unemployment's running high as well, of course. So, you know, how long, how much longer is Britain going to be seen as this 
safe asset and this safe investment are surely not going to be too much longer, especially when things start to deteriorate even more in Europe. So the Independent asks, um, how will the Euro crisis impact on the cost of living here? The crisis is actually likely to bear down on prices as it's pushing up the value of sterling, making imports cheaper. It's also undermining global demand. This should suppress global oil and gas prices, making energy bills cheaper. This benefit may be swamped by other negative effects, such as higher unemployment. Well, I mean, you know, are the consumers really going to be seeing the benefits of those suppression of um, oil and gas prices? I doubt it. You know, I'm sure the oil and gas companies are going to be reaping as much profit from this as possible. So, yeah, I mean, there could be deflation, but I don't think that's going to have a, a huge effect, really. I mean, you know, I'm not a financial expert, of course. I'm just, you know, I'm talking from a position as a just an observer without any kind of specialised knowledge or training in financial issues. But, you know, the kinds of things that I've said and lots of people in the alternative media have said in the past few years have turned out to be true and I don't think many of those people have had you know financial training or whatever in fact it often seems that the people who are the supposed financial experts are just talking a lot of complete nonsense you know you can go to the university and you know study economics as much as you like but none of these people that speak in the mainstream media talk about the the blunt facts of 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 Western economies, and the, you know the fact that money itself is is just based on on nothing, on a nonsense. You know, you never you never hear that on the news. Someone talking these these facts. You know, it's people in the alternative media who who discuss things like that, and even then they're sort of dismissed as cranks or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it could also affect British pensions. Um, because pension funds tend to invest in stock markets for long-term returns. Most funds will have taken a knock in the last few days. So yes, I mean, the independent are discussing, you know, certainly very serious things that could happen, but not really going to the full extent as I would go to about discussing, you know, the, the true hard realities of what could happen. And the fact that this is the, the beginning of the collapse of the system you know, in a system that, yeah, has run its course, basically. You know, what is going to come next? Is something good going to come out of this deterioration and collapse of the system? Because this would be a good chance to, to start again, wouldn't it? As I was talking about in my last podcast, for the people of Greece, this would be an excellent opportunity to, you know, reject the banksters and to get back to a sound money policy to say no to debt and yeah to get back to the important things in life and it's a you know could be a chance for other countries to do that as well or of course it could go the other way and if this is entirely you know orchestrated by the financial elite then are we going to see order out of chaos or order as the financial and political elite want it to be because this is also of course you know a good opportunity for a further centralization of power i mean everyone's talking about a breakup of the euro but 
of course it could also swing the other way because Merkel's talked about the need for um, greater financial integration of Europe so there's always a possibility of course that we could see you know this advancing the agenda for a new world order and moving towards this system of centralized government centralized EU and of course moving towards a, a world government which is you know the the ultimate goal of the the global elite yeah so interesting stuff anyway another story from the guardian stating the obvious that southern europe is facing a summer of violence i mean this article did annoy me because there are multiple references to anarchy throughout the article and not talking about anarchy in terms of simply not having a government but using you know the the definition of anarchy as as violent chaos which always kind kind of annoys me a little bit um having an interest in anarchy myself i mean i don't i don't profess to be convinced by anarchism but I, i certainly find some of the concepts interesting but yeah anyway this article just talking about you know the the clear the clear um risk that there's going to be huge violence in in greece and spain in southern europe more widely we've already seen you know violence and protests and riots and you know that's surely just going to carry on getting worse and worse you know if greece collapses if the uh, if they leave the euro the government's not going to have any money to pay public sector workers so yeah there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to be getting paid and you know as salente says when people lose everything um and they have nothing left to lose they lose it and people are going to be losing it and you know we have to bear in mind at the same time that there's always a very good chance that the government whatever government is in, is in place by that time or rather the intelligence services are going to be using this generalized chaos um to push through their agenda as well because you know we've seen so many times the intelligence services um infiltrating sort of radical networks and actually being behind bombings and terrorism and killings because again order out of chaos you know the more violence there is ultimately that can be used by the ruling elite to of course you know implement further draconian measures crack down on civil liberties and yeah this kind of chaos you know could even possibly lead to the return of some kind of military rule in Greece you know it's only a few decades since uh, Greece was actually you know ruled by a, a military hunter so i mean that's that of course is also a possibility but yeah the mainstream you know openly talking about violence which again the alternative media has been discussing for a long time i remember must be a couple of years at least now you know doing shows about the coming uh, unrest on the streets on the streets of europe and yeah how much longer is it going to be before this comes to the uk and of course the us as well because it's the whole system that's collapsing you know as i've said before anyway moving on to another story apparently our great prime minister david cameron 
He's in the US at the moment, um, holding talks with Barack Obama. There is a G8 summit happening. So um, this is happening at, at the Camp David presidential retreat. David Cameron to hold talks with Barack Obama about tapping into emergency oil reserves. Cameron will hold talks with Obama and other world leaders about tapping into emergency oil reserves in an effort to drive down petrol prices. Because of course the, you know, the, the price of oil and petrol is, is rocketing. And, you know, the West are in a real bind because they're trying to talk tough with Iran. So there's this embargo that's going to be starting, um, in the summer against Iranian oil imports. So on the one hand, one, on the one hand, the Brits, um, and the Americans are, you know, trying to sort of threaten Iran and introduce these sanctions um, to stop this you know, mythical nuclear weapons program. But on the other hand, you know, we're also dependent on um, oil from Iran. <laughs> so it's kind of a it's kind of a stupid thing that they're doing there really. And yeah, you know, it's kind of self defeating. So as as prices rise they're obviously going to try and manipulate the oil prices and yeah they're trying to dip into these emergency oil, res oil reserves you know to keep this appearance of normality going for as long as they can as the system collapses as oil gets you know uh, more and more expensive then yes they're going to try and manipulate those prices nothing to see here you know everything's fine the whole system isn't changing <laughs> that's what they want you to believe so that's what they're discussing anyway today at Camp David um, another story that came out quite interesting of course uh, the so called Queen of Disco Donna Summer died yesterday um, of, of lung cancer now I'm not covering this story in any way because <laughs> Donna Summer was a celebrity that's not my interest at all but the the interesting thing about this story is that she reportedly said that she believed she contracted her terminal lung cancer from breathing in um, toxic dust at Ground Zero because she actually lived in Manhattan and according to close friends of hers who were quoted by a website called TMZ yeah, she was very concerned about breathing the air um, in Manhattan she used to apparently spray around some kind of disinfectant and hang up silk sheets in her dressing room to prevent the dust from coming in and yeah I've just written an article about this which you can check out in the article section of resistradio.com because of course if she did indeed die from breathing in this dust then she's you know just one of many you know the official figures are pretty small actually for people who have died of cancer and who have been diagnosed with cancer but you know there's no doubt that those figures are wildly inaccurate and that the real figures are much much bigger the official figures are actually 55 first responders have died of cancer and 75 people have been diagnosed with cancer you know which is obviously sounds like way too small and you know there are figures that 18,000 people uh, say that they've suffered serious health effects from breathing in the dust and 
yeah, I mean, there's been many, you know, reported deaths from respiratory diseases caused by breathing in the dust. You know, there are whole foundations and support groups for the first responders, for example. Um, there's a good page on 9-11 research talking about the probability that the number of deaths and serious injuries has been massively underestimated because of the limited funding that has actually been provided for the health monitoring of responders. Um, apparently the federal government allocated only $125 million uh, for the responders in its $21.4 billion federal aid package that was passed in 2002. And out of the estimated 40,000 ground zero workers, only 16,000 had been screened by the Mount Sinai WTC Center, WTC Worker and Volunteer Medical Screening Program by mid-2006. And then, of course, we get into the whole aspect of the fact that the authorities, you know, are culpable because they said immediately after the collapses that the air was safe to breathe. I mean, they didn't just say it once, you know, this was repeated assurances from the EPA, from the Environmental Protection Agency, who released a number of uh, press releases in the, the 10 days after the the attacks. Uh, they released, yeah, five press releases within 10 days saying that the air was safe to breathe. So, of course, you know, all of these responders and people living in the area in Manhattan, they they were given the impression that it was safe to, to, to breathe the air there, when, of course, it wasn't, you know. When this, this dust, this toxic dust had um, apparently... Uh, 2,500 contaminants and you know that includes stuff like asbestos, lead, mercury, dioxin so you know real real killer stuff there and yeah a couple of reports really exposed the US government's cover-up of the toxicity of the dust um, in August 2003 the EPA inspector, Inspector General Nikki Sinsley uh, she admitted that her agency's reassurances had been unfounded and that their statements had been influenced by the National Security Council under the direction of the White House. Uh, the EPA had been told to add reassuring statements and delete cautionary ones. And then another report in 2004 by something called the Sierra Club uh, went into a lot more detail about you know the various... Um, the various things that not only the, the EPA but also FEMA and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration did. You can read all of this on 911research.com. If you go there, uh, there's a section under Ground Zero called Environment and it talks about all of the malfiescence that the authorities had been accused of, basically. So yeah, interesting anyway. And I mean, hopefully, you know, because Donna Summer is a celebrity and such a high-profile figure, I mean, hopefully that will bring more attention to the people who are suffering from breathing in the dust that day. You know, that would be obviously one positive outcome from, you know, what is obviously a tragedy for, for a lot of people, the, the death of, of this lady from lung cancer. Yeah, that's about it for today, folks. I mean, I've been following the um, Anders Bering Breivik case as well. Um, I'm going to be going on Red Ice Radio soon to discuss this with, with Henrik from Red Ice Radio. 
and we're also going to be joined by Tom Secker, so I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, there's been more information from the Bering Breivik trial this week. I mean, most of the really sort of interesting stuff was in the the first uh, week. That's when Breivik was was being allowed to talk and give his uh, testimonies and his versions about things. So today, as this week rather has been the testimonies of people who survived his attack. Uh, there was one interesting detail for you know people who think there might have been other um, gunmen on the island. You know, this is you know it's obviously a possibility. I mean, as Tom and I talked about, you know, in a situation in a situation like what happened on Otoya, you know, there's obviously going to be mass panic and confusion. And there are always going to be anomalies in any kinds of reports from an event like that. So it's not conclusive proof of, you know, other gunmen, other attackers on the island. But, you know, there has been some interesting uh, testimonies about that. For example, there was a witness who heard gunshots coming from different parts of the island. Of course, you know, that could have, they could have been mistaken. Um, but yeah, this week, um, a, a woman called um, Ingvild Leren Stensrud, who basically survived because she pretended to, to be dead. She played dead, uh, lying underneath some of her, her friends who'd been shot dead. And yeah, during her testimony this week, she mentioned that she thought there were accomplices outside uh, she heard cries outside, which she thought belonged to Breivik's accomplices. I thought I could hear war cries or battle cries or celebratory shouts, she said. She couldn't make out the words and thought they were speaking a foreign language. It was only later she realised she was hearing the terrified screams of her friends trying to escape. So yeah, I mean, it could have been her mishearing something in the confusion, but, you know, it's just another interesting just another interesting um, bit of information there. So yeah, that's it for today, folks. Not such a long podcast, but as I'm going to be trying to do these more regularly, um, I think I prefer to keep them under half an hour, to be honest. I'm sure you, that's enough anyway. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to be listening to a whole hour of me just talking about the latest news headlines. But do keep checking back to resistradio.com. In fact, you don't even need to check back for articles and podcasts if you use rss then you can actually subscribe there are a couple of feeds on the website now there is an article rss feed and there's also a podcast rss feed which you can subscribe to by simply going to those sections and clicking the um, podcast symbol the sorry the, the rss symbol or you can do that in your browser if you use it a browser like um, Opera or Firefox I think um, unfortunately they're not updated for 24 hours, I'm using some kind of free service and it, it doesn't actually update it for 24 hours so it might be worth checking back anyway um, yeah that's it folks, please do continue to, to check back to resistradio.com and also share the articles and Share the podcasts if you find them useful, if you find them interesting. If you know anybody who would like to be interviewed for resistradio.com, I'm always 
uh, open to doing interviews with people who have an interesting story to tell or interesting information to, to share, just tell them to get in touch. You can find my email address on the about section or I can simply tell you it now. It's resistradio at offeromail.com. So don't hesitate to get in touch if you want to. Okay, folks, thanks a lot. Have a good weekend and I will catch you on the next one. Cheers.